Welcome to the Pioneers in Europe podcast, where we explore the challenges and opportunities across Europe. Today, you're in for a treat as we sit down and talk with Margie Haynes. Margie is a retired missionary who spent many, many years with her family in southern France. Well, again, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited this day to talk with Margie Haynes. Margie uh, and her family served many, many years on the mission field. And so uh, thanks for joining us today, Margie. My pleasure. Margie, uh, I've, I'm really excited to talk with you today for just all that you have to offer, not only me, but the listeners. Tell us a little bit about your story. I know that it was 1964 that you first went to the mission field. So tell us a little bit about that. The actual departure was on uh, a boat, which we said must have sunk after we after we arrived. But anyhow, we left uh, New York on the Saturnia in March of 1964. I was already six months pregnant with my first child. Um, and we arrived in Casablanca, Morocco, um, two weeks before a big mission wedding where two of our colleagues were marrying. So I, we quickly met uh, our colleagues from across the field, North Africa, Algeria, Tunisia, that had come over for this wonderful wedding. Um, and three months later, I, we had our first child in uh, Tangier, Morocco. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. And you stayed uh, with your family on the mission field for 40 years. Yep. Tell us a little bit about the different seasons of life in that time. Um, well, first, the change, I think, is, uh, of course, first, we we were not, uh, we, we were on the list, the blacklist, when we left Morocco in, after our first fur, uh, first term of five years. So we couldn't go back to Morocco, and um, my husband's gift was definitely evangelism and would be used much more easily in a country where it was open to do anything. So they asked us to start a team in in um, Marseille, France, where many North Africans had recently arrived. And that's so that's what we did. We had... Uh, he went every Sunday morning to the market. Uh, in North Africa, there's always a market day uh, once a week. And he went on Sunday morning because that happened to be when there was in Marseille. Had his art board up and, uh, every week for about, uh, I guess, five years, six years, he uh, was doing that. And we, we did lots of other things, but it was... Um, uh, a change when we went to Marseille, and then, of course, over the years, uh, when we first went, the Muslims that were there were not really being watched over by the big guys from other places, but pretty soon the, um, the professional uh, Muslims got a hold of France and, the, and, and put some clamps on them, so it became more difficult to work with the children, but um, we found our ways till the last 10 years John was there. He was prison chaplain in uh, the prison in uh, wow. Toulouse where we were living. He was given a key to any um, 
cell in that prison and he'd go in and and seven unfortunately 75 percent of the prison inmates were north african so that was how we ended our time yeah. so ministering to prisoners that's that's amazing and and while you were there your husband wrote a book as well tell us a little bit uh, about that that's right um in 84 we had he had wanted to go back and get his uh, master's uh, at uh, school here in America. So we came back to Columbia Bible College and he wrote his thesis, Good News for Muslims. But it was really oriented to um, people that didn't know a lot about Islam who were ministering as we did in France. It might have been French people that um, came across a Muslim, didn't know it zero about them and that's um was the basis of the book and it has been translated into italian for immigrants you know the italians and know a little bit about islam yeah. it's also been translated into german i think that's amazing tell us how uh two americans so long ago got a heart to reach out to muslim background <laughs> people um when we went to uh we knew the lord was calling us to the mission field but didn't uh, this was our years that we were dating and engaged uh, that but we didn't know where uh, but as we went when we went to the bible college there were saturday night prayer meetings for groups all over the world you could just pick where you wanted and uh we ended up in the muslim prayer group and it really was through praying for the muslim world as well as the influence of a Dr. Francis Steele, who was um, uh, an archaeologist, but a wonderful man of God who came and spoke, that um, we were we felt really this was the place we wanted to spend our lives. Wow. I love how the Lord just used prayer to shape your hearts for the mission field. That's an amazing story. Tell us a little bit about your... Uh, family along the way. So obviously you uh, told us already you were pregnant going there. And so how, how did that how did That, that wasn't very smart, but anyhow, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I didn't speak French and I didn't speak Arabic. And of course, everybody in the hospitals there did. So we had a mission hospital in Tangier, which was five hours by train. And so we went up. Well, eventually this baby came with one of our mission, a wonderful mission doctor, uh, Dr. Sinjin, who actually is still alive. That's really amazing because she was uh, 10 years old, but she's in her 90s, but she had six children of her own. So um, we, yes, it was a challenge to, uh, both of our children were born in uh, Morocco, and we, um, they didn't go to really, they went to nursery school there, but they didn't go to school until the, we, after our first furlough, when we were going back that we went back to France and they went into uh, the French school system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they grew up and uh, did they stay in French schools or how did oh, you guys okay. continue their education? All right. So um, actually France was a wonderful place to raise your children. At that point, the French took a long lunch hour, two hours, everything pretty much closed down. The school did. And we had our family time over the lunch hour. 
Um, and then they went back from two to five. And in the evenings, my husband was often busy uh, with the work, but they'd already had their family time. So um, we every we were quite happy. Uh, the children were in the French school system, but it is uh, it's a hard system, and they're not brilliant and everything. So they were. Um, I think they would have uh, made another choice, which we gave them as going to Black Forest Academy, which is. Um, a missionary a school for missionary kids in Germany. So at that point we were in um let's see where were we? We were in Toulouse. And so um we uh put them on a train and they went they went back and forth to Black Forest their senior years, the four for uh ninth through twelfth grade, which is a Canadian system and they loved it. They really did. Both of them loved that. It was a wonderful place in the Black Forest of Germany, as well as uh, loving teachers and uh, a great system. That's awesome. That's close to my heart as well as one of my daughters graduated from there. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. One of the uh, one of the things I, I just think of is how we we just desperately are in need always uh, of God godly wisdom. And a lot of that just comes through time and learning from those that went before us. And so can you tell us a little bit about what what did you learn over those 40 years that we we could just really learn from you about? Um, well, of course, our, our burden was for the Muslim world and our discovery over many, many years of the um, the need for the witness of a family, of a husband and wife that love and communicate with one another. Um, Islam has has developed everything wrong in, in the family. So no one trusts anyone. And um, it's, it's so difficult. A daughter doesn't trust her parents. And, and so they came to, in our opportunities with the young people, they, they realized they could trust us and they would come to us. And the, our Christian family, the way we did things, the way uh, John would talk with me and uh, husbands and wives rarely talk and just so many things about the Christian family, which we were able to demonstrate with our years of working with them. So it, I guess I'd say it's a, it's a lifetime in one sense, you may touch a lot of people just for short periods of times, but there have been a few that we we followed through for years and years, and um, that's that's when you get an opportunity to really put in the basics of what a fam Christian family is. Yeah, so you're 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 also talking of just the importance of kind of Christian hospitality, opening up your homes. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, yes. Um, yes. I'm, ass I'm assuming you had many people in your home during those decades. <laughs> well, I've just, my, my husband passed away a couple of years ago and at his memorial service, a young man who, uh, a Moroccan who was in France, uh, when he was speaking, he just said, he, he thanked my children for, um, helping lending us to them to to see uh, a, a husband and wife as it should be and that our home was open 
which I so appreciated. But that, I think, meant a lot. It showed the, the importance of your home being open for whoever. <laughs> and sometimes it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But your home was open not only just to uh, Muslim background people, French people, um, but also um, spending that much time on the mission field. You probably had a lot of colleagues in your home as well and probably did a lot of ministry to them as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I was just – we – my husband he had Alzheimer's, and he, at one point he insisted he was in the Lord's army. He wasn't in a you know army or whatever, but he was in the Lord's army, and it kind of got a joke because uh, with our colleagues we said, "Well, that's really what we were. We were in an army, and I think um, we were drawn together in a because of the hardness of the field. Um, those folks are still so precious to me. I, they're my best friends <laughs> because you just uh, you can't go yeah. through being in an army situation year after year and the struggles and the joys that come with it that you don't last a lifetime. Yeah, wow, that's so good. You mentioned just the difficulty and the struggles. Can you give us a little insight of of how they were and, and how you managed to persevere through those? Um, well, often when we were uh, facing what would be um, a challenge, for instance, when we were getting ready for one of our follow-up trips into Morocco, um, and we did about eight or 10 of them over a period of time where we reached, we, we contacted students who were studying and, and nobody knew it and, it was kind of a spy thing. Um, we knew that somehow every time there was going to be an attack, and uh, you, but it never was the same one. So you get prepared for something. And one time our car got broken into and all my stuff got taken. Another time we got sick, you know, but, but you never knew what. But the Lord helped in all those things. And you, I guess we didn't stop. Maybe I would have, but he wouldn't. So I went on. Uh, to think about what was going to happen. So uh, did that answer the question? Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it it did. Just uh, the persevering of trusting in the Lord in those difficult moments. Mm. Um, let, me, let me ask you this. So as maybe some of our listeners are uh, younger or considering missions for the first time or maybe never even considered it, um, what would you say to maybe the next generation of Christians and, and potential missionaries uh, in terms of what you, you've learned and what you, how would you encourage or even exhort them uh, in their call to missions? Okay. Well, um, I guess I would encourage them that the call be both the husband and the wife to the people group. Uh, now it may change. Actually, we were called we were called to Muslims, um, but Arabic Arabic speaking Muslims. We thought, and we ended up uh, having a large ministry to Kabyle Muslims, who are a, a, another whole people group with another whole language, which we did not speak. Well, we always talked in French, but so not that we're going to know exactly where you're going to go, but that, that your heart is together in it, um, I I just think is crucial because I think the Christian family is one of the strongest 
testimonies to a Muslim that we can have. Now, single girls um, have a real place. My colleagues often ministered to the, to the university students who had come from uh, North Africa and were in France and, and had a, a really important ministry. So it's not um, necessarily just couples, but um, that I strongly, I, I feel very strongly about that. Right, yeah. And you've mentioned that these relationships that you've made over the years uh, not just with other missionaries, but people that you reached out and shared Christ with. And uh, mm. tell us a little bit about the sweetness of that over these over these decades. <laughs> That's been that has been very special. Um, even well, I've I've been home stateside since uh, seventeen years, right? Um, but last night I had a call from. One of the ladies that I've worked really closely with um, from Marseille, uh, just because she was worried about how I was doing with the, um, the virus. Uh, but there, there are some that still call us. There are some that still write us. Uh, I guess we became family to them because they never knew a really strong Christian family. They have family ties, as we know, when they become believers, it's very hard because they have to leave. I guess that's why we become important because they in one sense have to leave their families and um and it's the struggle never stops with them. Uh in that relationship with their Muslim, their their birth family. The family often is treats them differently and their children are treated differently and it it's um they just need some place to belong. The church needs to have a part in that, mm. but it has been difficult in France because, of course, the, the French don't often don't really love North Africans either. So, um, an international church is the closest that we found to helping them integrate, but but they still needed something in their own language to sing their own songs and. Um, that we could we could uh, fill in for that emptiness. Yeah, absolutely. It, it reminds me of what Jesus said when when we uh, have to leave our our family and our jobs and all those things. That how mm. uh, when we come into the kingdom, He provides a hundredfold in all yeah, those that's things. Right. And, and Amen. You are the tan <laughs> tangible answer to that. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> well, Marty, I just want to, on behalf of. Uh, uh, of just being a, a missionary myself and, and being a Christian. I just want to thank you and your husband, John. I know that he passed away a, a few years ago, but mm -hmm. thank you so much for just the way that you followed the Lord and, and your, your example is a, is a strengthening to, of our faith. And I, I just pray that many that hear this podcast would be encouraged and even spurred on by your examples. Thanks for joining us today, Margie. It was my pleasure. God bless you. More information and ways that you can get involved, check out our website, pioneersineurope.com, or our social media at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.